York and Chapel presents Brands That Matter, the weekly podcast that explores companies whose products, policies, or practices make the world a better place. Now here's your host, John Rarick. All right, joining me today on Brands That Matter is Rob Lawless. Now, this is a little bit of a different show. Usually, we'll talk to companies or brands about what they do to make the world a little better place. But today, we've got Rob, and Rob's got a very interesting uh, project he's embarked on. Rob, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Sure. So, I am on a journey to spend one hour with 10,000 different people. And I always say, just to see what comes of opening doors for no particular reason, and also, it's kind of shifted into to learn about people's lives. So, obviously, you didn't. This, there was life before all this. Sure. Tell us a little bit about sort of your path and what inspired <clears throat> you to do this. So, I graduated from Penn State in 2013. I'm originally from Narstown, which is the suburbs of Philly, and studied finance at Penn State, minored in accounting and entrepreneurship, but was also really involved in clubs and activities. So... A campus of 40,000 people became really small and homey to me. So when I graduated, my first job I was doing consulting, strategy and operations consulting for Deloitte. And I just noticed all of my friends were dispersed across the country. And so I I lost that feeling of familiarity that I had in college. And so part of me wanted to recreate it. And then part of me always wanted to tap into the entrepreneurial side uh, that I just had of me. And so... I left Deloitte after a year and three months to go to a tech startup in Philly called RJ Metrics. They had $24 million in funding at the time, and so I was the fifth outbound sales employee on their team, and we scaled up to 19 in like a year. Um, so very quick growth with that company, but then it plateaued. Um, and in November of 2015, I'd started this project to spend an hour with 10,000 people in July of 2016, I was laid off because RJ Metrics was bought out by a larger company. And I decided to take this project full time. And it's been, yeah, three years since I started, just about two and a half years full time. Um, and I've met, I think you're the 2,244th person Whoa. that I've met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're on track to complete this when? Is there any actual scheduled time that you think you'll be done with this? I, I don't have a, a hard end date, but I think it's going to take 10 more years. So I'm 27 now. I think 37 or around that age would be cool to finish it at. Um, I think I'm at the pace of meeting like 700 people a year right now. Uh, and if I can keep that up, yeah, I think it'll be good. But I do see drop-offs and momentum here and there when I change locations. But I'd rather this be a project that eventually spans the whole world and takes a little bit longer than one that I could finish in Philly in five years. Sure, sure. Yeah. And who knows? You you might even find the inter- I remember seeing an interview with with a, a gentleman who spent most of his life painting the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay. And you know the the way they used to do it essentially is they would just hang by you know a, a suspension harness. And they'd paint, and every day they'd paint a little more, and they'd paint a little more. And it, mm-hmm. you know, like, it took 20 guys 10 years to paint the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. And they said, so what do you do when you're done? And he goes, we turn around and go back and mm-hmm. start painting again. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, so I wonder when you're done with this, if it'll be something that's just so much part of your life that you'll continue or you'll go, okay, 10,000, we're done. What do you think? So I thought about that. I think I will continue to do it because 
part of the reason why I'm doing it and why I'm over 2,200 people into it and still just as excited about it as when I started is because it's my favorite way of entertaining myself. So I think I would be lost because I learn so much about people. I get fulfillment of just having that face-to-face -face connection um, and building like the foundation of relationships. So I think once I hit 10,000, the goal will be to continue meeting people probably with an unidentified goal afterwards. Um, but then a lot of I'm becoming big on human connection in general, even outside of the project. So if other people want to go on a journey of meeting a thousand people or a hundred people, I'd love to be able to advise them with my experience. And then I want to start to work on creating a culture of random human connection that's more accepted in society. Because I think nowadays people only connect if there's some type of agenda to it. If it's like a business meeting or a dating or a relationship and... I think there's a lot of value that you can get just from hearing someone's story and maybe hearing a life path that was completely different than yours. So I want to create more opportunities for that. I'm thinking like college campuses and high school, high schools, high school settings. It's fascinating. So I, I know there's probably of 2,000 plus interviews. There's got to be some that really stand out in your mind. But before you tell me about those. Sure. I want to know about like the cumulative learning from all these 2,000 people. There must be one or maybe a couple different takeaways that you've got so far mm -hmm. just from connecting with all, this, all these various people. Yeah, I think so. The biggest thing I say is no one knows what they're doing with their life. We're all just doing the best that we can with the resources that we have. And I think that takes the shape of many different things. Like that could be uncertainty moving from New York to Philadelphia and just not knowing how that's going to play out. Right. Uh, it could be uncertainty if students are worried about whether they're studying the right major or someone is worried about taking the right job. I think most of us don't have it figured out, and I think a lot of times people operate with the mindset that everyone but them has life figured out, but I think if you don't have life figured out, you're in the majority. So that has just made me like a more comfortable and confident person uh, not to say, like, I know where I'm going. I just don't necessarily know how I'm going to get there. And then the other thing is a lot of people want to help other people. I, I hear that a lot, which is really encouraging. A lot of times I'll hear people wanting to help people in the same way. So I think it's interesting. We might have some inefficiencies around help in the world just because if you have two people wanting to start their own nonprofit to tackle the same issue, maybe we could streamline that. But that's a huge, like macro level issue um but it's a good thing to know that people want to help each other and then um personally for myself i've learned that i have a lot to be grateful for so i come from a family and i'll segue this into your previous question but i come from a family where my two parents are still married still happy and healthy they live in the house that they had built when they got married we're the only family that's ever lived there I'm the youngest of three. All three of us were afforded the ability to have an education at Penn State. We're all doing well now. Everyone has a good relationship with each other in our family. And so that's what I'm coming from, suburbs of Philadelphia, educated, having a good job, like traditional life path. And I've ex been exposed to other life paths where I met a woman who was raised in Kensington. And when she was 16 years old, her ex-boyfriend found out that she was dating someone new and tried to murder her. Didn't succeed in murdering her, but 
After trying to kill her, he went around the corner, found her current boyfriend, and murdered him. And she was 16 years old at this point. And then when she was in her early 20s, her twin sister committed suicide. And then in 2012, her younger brother was murdered. And so I think if any of those events happened to someone in their life, it'd be extremely tragic. But to have all three of them happen to her, that's where I, that's why I say I think there's a lot of value in perspective because that opens my mind up to think, even just to appreciate, like I live with my parents right now, to have tea with my mom at night is a gift. Whereas before I'd think this is just part of my day. But yeah, having, hearing those other experiences has taught me to be grateful for everything I have. That's, that's so important to, mm-hmm. that the relationships that we have, sometimes it's so easy to take them for granted. Mm-hmm. Clearly you reaching out to all these other people has probably helped you reconnect just with the, the people that have been in your life throughout your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because people will often ask me if doing this project is hurting my relationships with my friends and family because I think they assume that I'm meeting people in the time that I would spend with my friends and family. But it's actually the opposite where I've become much more invested in my relationships with the people I care about. And I'm meeting, I try to meet four people every day. And I'm meeting them in the hours while my friends and family are at work. So my nights and weekends are still open like anyone else's. And just to know how important relationships are to me, it's like I just go to bat that much more for them now. Well, Rob, you you mentioned you left the financial world to really embark on this mission. Throughout the 2,000-plus people you've met, has that influenced what you may or may not want to pursue in the future? Like, have, did you end up, wind, have you met somebody who you were like, hey, that's a really interesting life. I never even thought that was possible. I have met some of, the, some of those types of people. I haven't met a path yet that I think I would want to go into. If I do it right, then I think this will be my path forever. Not me, like, and I say forever, meaning that after I hit it, going into the colleges and doing like a seminar or something like that. Um, but... Yeah, I I fully intend on having the day I was laid off being the day I retired from working for someone else. Um, but I could see myself going back into consulting with relationships, maybe in the corporate environment. Because even at Deloitte, I think they would have benefited, or even I would have benefited in my time there, from having more one-on-one interaction. And it's such a fast-paced environment. The girl I just met with, she works at EY. And I was saying, knowing what I know now, I wish I could have applied that to when I was an analyst at Deloitte because I would have sat down with my partner or manager at the beginning of a project and said, hey, we're going to get to know each other because if I know you and I feel like you care about me and I care about you, then I'll go to bat for you and I'll put in the long hours. But if I don't feel that connection, I'm not going to feel the need to do that. Uh, And I think just having people know each other and what they value and what they're looking for would be extremely helpful. Fascinating. If there was any one thing you've learned in the 2,000-plus people you've met that you wanted to share with our listeners, what would that one thing be? This has been a mantra of mine for probably the last six months to a year, is the end is never the end. And it's actually taken from a hip-hop song from an artist named Kid Cudi. But doing this path, so going from the stable financial world to taking an entrepreneurial journey For me, a lot of the end in my mind can sometimes be like, if I run out of money, then that would be a failure and that would be the end of the project. But I've come to realize that if I were to run out of money completely, 
that just means there's a more inconvenient path forward than I originally anticipated. Hmm. And that would look like me getting a part-time job and doing this on the side or me going back into consulting for six months and doing this on the side before I could take it full-time again or me doing a GoFundMe or something like that. But I think a lot of people have perceived ends and they're born out of fear more than anything else. But I feel like those are just obstacles that you're able to push through and continue going, like working towards. Great advice, Rob. Thank you. Where, where can people learn more about what you're doing? I mainly keep track of everything on Instagram. So my handle on Instagram is at robs10kfriends. And each of my posts correlates to someone that I've met. So you'll get on there and you'll see me pictured with a stranger and then a short uh, kind of like bio on what I've learned from them during our time together. So after I meet with everyone, just from memory, I write what I've learned from them just as a way of sharing that perspective with other people. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, Rob's 10K Friends, same thing, but I mainly operate out of Instagram. Oh, great. We'll put a link in the show notes to all your social handles, and any time people want to reach you, they know how to reach you now. Cool. Um, fascinating, Rob. I, I love what you're doing, and um, certainly something that we wanted to share with all of our listeners. Joining me today again, Rob Lawless, on a mission to meet 10,000 people. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. appreciate it. Join us next week for another episode of Brands That Matter. And please, leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about York and Chapel, visit yorkandchapel.com.